This is Late Night Council. Ask the pastor about as close to God as you're ever going to get. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so listen, why don't you give me a call when you want to start taking things a little more seriously? It's okay, this is really serious. John Council. Ask the pastor. That sounds better. Yeah, I know John Council. Ask the pastor. Ask the pastor. He may have the answer. Again, he may not. Late Night Council. Ask the pastor. He's got a direct line, folks. You know what I feel really good about? You know what I feel really, really good about? Now, some of you are panicking. Some of you are going, hey, where's the show? It's late, you know? We had another technical glitch tonight. And you know what I feel really good about? I was not responsible. It was not my fault tonight. <laughs> it was something I had totally nothing to do with. Oh, I feel so good that I was not to blame tonight. Oh, my goodness. Well, here we are. Okay, all the problems are solved. We're going to have a great show tonight. It's Ask the Pastor. It's open line, open topic. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm going to give you a biblical perspective on it, the faith perspective. Now, if you've been following me on Twitter today, you've got a good heads up of what we're going to be talking about tonight. Okay? And that's, you know, I mean, there are certain levels of fandom, aren't there? Okay? I mean, there is, uh, you know, there is, uh, uh, you know, people who are kind of casually interested, and there are people that are kind of, uh, you know, uh, maybe a little bit interested, and then there's other people that are that are, whoa, you know, like, man, that's, uh, you know, live, sleep, eat, and die with the show. Well, um, those of you that live, sleep, eat, and die with the show, you know, you're probably going out of your mind that it's not on yet. And, uh, well, uh, 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 sorry to disappoint you, okay? Uh, but here we are, okay? Here we are. Calm down. Everything's going to be okay. You know, take your chamomile tea and, you know, like, uh, everything's great. Here we are, ready to go. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. one 5624766 if you're calling from one of those far away and exotic places like I don't know what uh, monitor Alberta or, or Wood Buffalo Alberta or Gobbler Arkansas or or La Push Now does La Push does that like translate into English at all what would La Push if that's what it is in French what would it be in English La Push Washington one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. A lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Pew Research. Pew Research. Now that Pew Research is not a fly by night polling company. They do a ton of good stuff. Very very insightful. I follow them on Twitter. They got great uh, great information. One of the one of the uh, uh, one of the most reliable. And nonpartisan, and they're not trying to push any like uh, doctrine or political position. They just they just put out information all the time. And Pew Research says that most evangelicals. Now we were talking about this last night from a political perspective, but this is from a spiritual perspective tonight. Most evangelicals, most uh, evangelicals in, in in the United States, are going to vote Trump, but they're not voting for Trump. Do you get that? We quoted a stat last night. I think it was it wasn't from Pew Research. It was from uh, it was from another very reliable source that said typical support for Republicans in American uh, elections is 75-80%. 75-80% of evangelicals usually vote Republican. 
And that support is down with the nominee being Donald Trump. It's only down to 55%. Now, but that doesn't mean they're not going to vote for them because this is, it's a very, very interesting poll. It says that 78% of evangelicals are going to vote Trump, but they're not going to vote for him. In other words, the, the questions were a little bit more probing and a little more deeper, and, and they flushed out, they flushed out of the, out of the poll that 30% say they support him, okay? So 30% say they support him. They are voting for him. 48% say, we are not voting for Trump. We're voting against Hillary. So the only reason a large majority of evangelicals will vote for Trump in the United States is because they don't want Hillary. It's the old, you know, okay, I'm going to hold my nose. And how many times have you heard me, to, heard me say this if you're one of those hardcore late-night council fans? Well, John, who do we vote for? Well, I usually vote for, you know, the, 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 the candidate that makes me puke the least. Okay? Well, that's kind of what's going on in the election south of the border right now. Evangelicals being people that, uh, branch of Christianity, probably the most, it's easily the strongest branch of Christianity in, in uh, uh the United States, there are more Roman Catholics than there are, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, let's say, Southern Baptists. But if you take all the evangelical denominations, like the Southern Baptists and, the, you know, the four or five other major Baptist denominations, the Salvation Army, the Assemblies of God, which is my affiliation, uh, uh, and, and the independent evangelicals, they, they dwarf any other religious group. They're huge. And they rarely, rarely, rarely vote Democrat, unless, unless, and you know the racial divide that's that they have in the states. Black evangelicals have, have usually voted for Democrats, although in the last three or four elections that number has been steadily decreasing for Democrats and steadily growing for uh, Republicans. So just some info out there. I didn't want people thinking that when you hear seventy-eight, because now there's a stat right there that the news can manipulate, and they can and they can put out just about whatever spin they want. I mean, they could say 78% of evangelicals say they will vote for Trump. That sounds like he's got widespread evangelical support. He does not have widespread evangelical support. He has 30% support of evangelicals. And 48% say we're not voting for him. We're voting him. We're voting against the other candidate. Got some thoughts on that or whatever else is on your mind? 343-700-4390. That's 343 743-700-4390, 800-4390, is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. There's an article I'm looking for, and I, I, I seem to have misplaced it. And my apologies for that. If I can dig it up during one of the commercial breaks or one of the information uh, uh, interludes, you are going to be far better for it. And, uh, uh, I mean, I know the thought behind it, and I certainly could comment on it, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, we hear a lot of talk today about radical Islam, okay? Radical Islam. We, we know what that looks like, okay? And we hear about young men who are often within the Islamic faith, but they're kind of bored they, they, they kind of are, you know, the, 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 they're looking for significance or maybe there's, maybe there's a, a, a trouble in their, in their lives and they're easy prey to being radicalized. There are a number of moderate Muslims 
in North America that have written, you know, and warning mosques and imams to watch out for this, okay? And, and I'm not in denial of any way of a number of mosques here in Canada that are preaching radicalization. If the, if the Wahhabist, you know, if the Wahhabist faction of Islam has roots in a mosque, you're going to have radicalization take place. You're much more prone to Muslims uh, uh, falling prey to radicalization if well, the Wahhabist doctrine of Islam is being preached in mosques. And unfortunately, it's being preached in too many mosques in Canada, Okay. But we use the term because not everybody has a grip on, on you know, the intricacies and the subtleties and the, and the specifics of, of what Islam is all about. We use a general term called radicalization. We know what that looks like. When uh, a Muslim gets radicalized and gets into the, uh, you know, the, the uh, you know, some of the uh, sects and some of the uh, groups that we know of, Al-Qaeda, ISIL, Hamas, uh, Muslim Brotherhood, uh, you know, Hezbollah, uh, you know, uh, go after innocence, okay? They engage in acts of terrorism, there's death, there's hatred, and yeah, there's support for what they do in the Quran. If you want to take those scriptures, literally, thank God most Muslims in the world don't, but there's enough of them that do, that you, where there's a lot of people that are dying, a lot of people that are dying. And I've said it often, and this is no capitulation to political correctness whatsoever, it's just facts, Okay. There's more Muslims that are dying from terrorist attacks than any other religious group, okay? Because they hate the infidels. And the infidels are, they are, they are Christians, they are Jews, they are anybody that doesn't believe, and that includes Muslims that don't believe the way they do, okay? There are m- hundreds of millions of Muslims worldwide that live in fear of the same type of radical Islam that we are battling or we're supposed to be battling here in the West, okay? I, I, I question whether, you know, our, our, you know uh, the battle against it and uh, you know here in Canada is even going on, okay? Uh, but that's for another night. This is Ask the Pastor. And I wanted to get into a discussion tonight because I've, I've got, I, and I've got to find the article. Maybe I, it's very difficult for me to go online doing all the commercials and doing all the production here. And, uh, you know, hey, there's a thought. Maybe somebody you listening here... Um, there's a, uh, 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 there's a magazine that my denomination is putting out now. It's called Sage. I don't know if they have an online version, but it's called Sage, and it's kind of like a seniors magazine. And one of the best articles on the radicalization of Islam, okay, radical Islam, and comparing it to radical Christianity, okay? One of the best articles that have ever been, that's ever been written on is written by a really, really good buddy of mine. Uh, Reverend Bill Griffin. Reverend Bill Griffin, I think he's got to be in his late 70s or late 80s. Quite an individual. This guy was scouted and had an opportunity to play in the NHL. He was that good because I've seen him play hockey, okay? When I went to Bible college, he would come around every once in a while and play with the House League teams, and he could outskate anybody, and back then he was in his late 50s. And when the the original six uh, were still together, the the, the original six teams in the NHL, he had an opportunity to play in the NHL. He was scouted, and he was was a sure thing. But he chose chose a life of ministry uh, instead, okay? And uh, a brilliant, brilliant man. I've had hours of, you know, wonderful fun and, and fellowship and conversation with Bill Griffin. And, man, did he ever nail it on an article that I'm trying to get my hands on. And uh, but I don't really need the article to quote uh, to you know to uh, uh, really discuss the topic. 
And I wouldn't mind, you know, people calling in and telling me what they think about it. I mean, when you talk about radical Islam versus radical Christianity, what's radical Christianity? Radical Christianity, probably the most radical... And I, we've used... Long before there was a terrorism threat, okay? Long before there was a terrorism threat, radical Christianity has been something that's been kicked around. You know, that term for, oh, I've been pastoring full-time for 35 years. And I remember it being kicked around when I was a when I was a rookie preacher. And radical Christianity was always, you know, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. It's the turn the other cheek thing. It's the renunciation of wealth. It's radical love. What Salvation Army workers do to the homeless and the down and outs and the addicted downtown, that's radical Christianity. I've had friends over the years give up property, give up cars, and give to people who are, you know, in desperate need of help. That's radical Christianity. Where radical Islam is a threat to the world and promotes death and destruction, radical Christianity really, I think, is the only hope for the world. And if I can find the article and share it with you, or if somebody knows of Sage Magazine, if somebody that's listening wants to uh, Google in Sage Magazine, P-A-O-C, that's Pentecostal Summers of Canada, and the article is by Bill Griffin. It's in the latest version of Sage Magazine. And I thought I brought it with me in my stuff tonight. I'll have to go look in my bag during the commercial break and see if it's there. But that's quite a discussion we could get into, the difference between radical Islam and radical Christianity. I was a youth pastor for the first 10 years of my, of my ministry, okay? So I was speaking at youth camps and conventions and youth groups and ran youth groups for a long time. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the topic of radical Christianity got kicked around. It got talked about so much it almost became cliche within our denomination. Because amongst young people, because that's who gets radicalized, okay? Uh, to us, there was no other real Christianity except radical Christianity, as I've just defi- defined it, you know? Like, in other words, f- faith is nothing unless it affects your lifestyle. It's the difference between, well, I believe in God. Everybody believes in God. I remind people on this broadcast, in my sermons, the devil believes in God. The devil shows up at church more often than you know anybody in Ottawa does, or anybody in the city that you're listening from. And radical Christianity, if you look in in the Gospels and the book of Acts, that's the only standard that there is. But it manifests itself through incredible love, through self-sacrifice, through a renunciation of all the world's values and everything that everybody is killing themselves and each other for in the world. That's what radical Christianity is. And you can see the difference in the two leaders of the two faiths. Jesus never killed anybody. In fact, he preached very strongly against it. Muhammad killed a lot of people. Jesus was never married. He was celibate. He was tempted like all of us. Muhammad had many wives, some of them pretty young, to the point where, you know, if you look in, in uh, uh, the Hadith, you know, and there's, there's Muslims that, you know, don't like, especially don't like Christians quoting sections of the Hadith, where I, I think, it, you know, Muhammad took a, a bride that was like nine years old. Come on now. Jesus was known for preaching love and preaching, you know, bless them that curse you, pray for those that despitefully use you. That's, you know, and you hear when you start reading the scriptures that some of these radical groups are inspired by, it's the very words of Muhammad. And I don't hear a lot of Muslims renouncing those violent words of Muhammad. Well, you got to know the context. Yeah, well, I do know the context. It's kind of scary. 
the contrast between radical Christianity, radical Islam. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's 1-844-562-4766 is long distance. If you can keep it under six lines, JC at LateNightCouncil.com. You can tweet at us as well at JW Council. Sorry for the technical glitches. We were delayed three minutes tonight, but it wasn't my fault. Oh, I'm so excited to tell you it was not my fault. Doug, I see you online there. We're going to your call as soon as we come back from these ridiculously important messages. Stay with us. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches. But fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. Summertime is here, and it's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byword Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile. Who is this man? This garlic king who makes hummus hum and shawarma swing. His kingdom is really Lebanese. There's only one garlic king and really Lebanese is his home. Don't be fooled by pretenders to the throne. Really Lebanese reigns as the best shawarma in Ottawa. See why it's good to know the king. I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. Who is this man? I'm Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. 2586 St. Joseph Boulevard in Orleans. Garlic, I love it. Nobody sent me that article yet, and I haven't found it. Of course, i got to do commercials. i got to do production during the commercial breaks. You think I'm just going to put my feet up. No. Actually, that kind of happens during the information interlude, and we have updated the information interlude. There's important stuff in it. You don't want to miss it at the bottom of the hour. I'll go looking for that article. But that, that, that doesn't have to stop us entering into that discussion on the difference between radical Christianity and radical Islam. Now, radical Islam, if you know anything about it, it... it, it it takes those scriptures in the Quran, maybe a little bit, way, well, way too literally, okay? When Christians take the scriptures in the New Testament particularly, literally, it has the impact of changing the world. It has the impact of blowing people away at the kindness and sacrificial love that maybe you have witnessed through people practicing what would be called, rightly so, radical Christianity. It's open line, open topic. It's Ask the Pastor. 
on Late Night Council, 343-743-90. That's 343-743-90 in the Capital Region. 1-844-562-4766 is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. Going to bring Doug and Carp. Now, if you just read it, it's Carp. But if you're from there, it's Carp. It's from Carp. Doug, how do you say it where you live? Uh, just say Carp. Just say Carp? Okay. Yep. But you know, Doug, there are people there that pronounce it Carp, don't they? Oh, for sure. Yeah, thank all you. The good, all the good ones. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you how to talk, Doug. I'm thrilled to have you on the program. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, well, you started out talking about Trump, and uh, I know it's asked the pastor night. someday, someday I'll I'll call you on a, a political perspective of Trump. But I thought uh, moral perspective uh, on Donald Trump. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, if I could make a uh, one uh, one point uh, tonight, um, I heard a guy being interviewed on the radio today, and he said something interesting. And he says, um, you know, a, a good way to judge a man is by the love of his family. Yeah, and uh, with the Repub- with the Republican convention going on um, um, the last couple of days, uh, um, Donald Trump's children have been uh, talking and giving speeches um, as well. Some of them are actually quite involved in in his campaign over the last year. Uh, Donald Jr. and Ivanka. I've heard uh, numerous interviews uh, uh, with with his children. Um, I'm not sure their age. They must be in their 20s, early 30s, maybe. I've uh, seen pictures of them when I was when I was online prepping for the show. I've seen pictures of us i don't know if it's donald jr is it donald jr he's a good looking guy the oldest one is the oldest one is don donald jr yeah i saw a picture of him um, online today but you have to you have to um i'm suggesting um watch watch some of their speeches um you know his his kids um you know they admire and respect uh, their dad and it shows um you know and and that was a lot of the comments uh, listening to american radio today while i was in the truck um, um you know a lot of the comments were is like wow like look at his family yeah like, but doug doug you know hate to throw hate to throw a wrench in your theory here but chelsea clinton speaks very very highly of her mom and her dad as well true enough you know true enough I mean, like, but yeah. I don't. I don't even know. I I would even argue that it, it, it not even to the not to the same extent. Um, I know I haven't. We don't hear too much from Chelsea. Well, Chelsea's uh, a mom. She but, just gave birth to a baby too. And here I am defending Hillary. I can't believe it. She just gave birth to her second <laughs> child. I think her second child is like three or four days old now. Okay, and uh, but Chelsea Clinton has been very you know vocal about her support for her mom and and you know i can't remember cuz uh, you know it's years when when uh, bill was in office i don't know doug you know how valid that is uh, as far as if we're talking about spiritual authenticity i've known donald trump's life for 25 30 years okay and apparently he's seen the light and made some type of commitment to uh, uh, to christ okay paula white is the uh, uh, the Christian leader that apparently led him to a confession or a commitment to Christ. We may be able to classify him in the Christian faith as a baby Christian right now. But for him to expect the evangelical right to say, whoa, yeah, this guy's one of us, when for 30 years this guy's been pro-abortion, this guy has bragged about his you know sexual conquests, and continues to, I mean, his record of being rude and obnoxious and saying some pretty disparaging things, I, I just can't imagine Christ saying that. Although, 
you know, he is running for the presidency of the of the uh, United States. He's not, you know, candidating to pastor a church. You know, I don't look to Donald Trump to be a spiritual leader, but I would not have people thinking, oh yeah, this guy's some type of spiritual giant. And you know, it seems like he's come to the party a little late here in that respect. So I think it's I I don't think it's a bad thing for uh, uh, people who have been in the faith for uh, decades to be a little bit wary here. But, like, Doug, yep. here's, here's, we made this comparison last night. Uh, uh, what's going on down there, and even from a spiritual standpoint, and I, wish, I, I hope the, 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 the commitment to Christ is authentic, okay? And it very well could be. I don't have reason to doubt it. It very well could be, because I know the supernatural power of God to transform lives. It's what keeps me in the business. It's the most inspiring thing about you know, promoting the gospel, okay? Um, uh, but I would, I would uh, you know, what we said last night, uh, you've got a choice in the states of a bull in a china shop or a snake in the grass. And I think evangelicals are wise enough to say, you know what, I don't really like bulls in the china shop, but uh, in this case, you know, and I guess it's up to everybody to decide. It seems like white evangelicals particularly have said, I think we'll go with the bull in the china shop. We're kind of rolling our eyes and we're kind of, oh, God help us, you know. And I've said this all along, Doug, the worst thing about this election in the States is one of those candidates is going to win. <laughs> well, I just I just thought it spoke volumes to, to his character. You know, they, each of those kids uh, have come from a broken home. Um, you know, he's he's gone through a couple of marriages. Yeah, who broke it? His, his, dad's, his dad's on the road. Their dad's on the road. Yeah, who the broke it? This guy, was, mess- this guy was messing around on wives and bragging about it in his books. Yeah. I mean, I got to remind you, it was Donald Trump who broke those homes. Ivanka wasn't messing around on him. Marla Maples was not messing around on him. The guy couldn't keep his pants so on, normal, Doug. A normal, a normal child that would grow through that childhood, especially being uh, children of a billionaire, I mean, they, they would tend to be grow up a little bit twisted and a little bit off, right? And uh, Yeah, and, his, and it's possible that... Like, Whoa, what, what actually happened here is, like, is, are, are we reading him wrong? And uh, uh, his kids work for him. Uh, I, know, I know you used to work with your, your dad, and I used to work with my dad, too. It's not an easy thing, uh, to, you know, to work with, to work with someone's father. You I, know, I don't think uh, anybody else would hire me, Doug. In my, kind of in, 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 in my world, Doug, I don't think anybody else would hire me. That's why I worked for my dad. <laughs> Maybe the same for the Trump kids, you know? You know? And you know what? I mean, like, oh, they have respect for their... I don't know. I can't speak to all his, all, all, you know, everything about Donald Trump, but I, I see the media portray a caricature of, uh, of him that is so false, so 180 degrees uh, off base, uh, you know, and if, if he was a, a misogynist and a racist and, a, and, and uh, anti-Christian and, and everything else they, they throw at him, you know, you'd think that the kids wouldn't have that high level of respect. Well, the other side is, uh, Doug, you have to allow for the possibility when the media spotlight is on and there's a chance that your dad, who hasn't been perfect, but he's biologically your dad, there's a chance he's going to become the President of the United States. Oh, you can forgive pretty quick. You can start, you know, communicating the bright side if that possibility is there, you know. Maybe I'm being too cynical. Doug, great call, buddy. Good having you on. Thank you, Thank you for bringing it up. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great point of discussion. Now, I've told you, folks, we've got a, a, a new uh, a information musical interlude that we put together, and uh, there's some uh, really important stuff in it. So uh, I'm, I'm taking a break. I'm sucking back some free air, putting my feet up a little bit, and I'm going, I want to find that article on the difference between radical Islam and radical Christianity. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Stay with us.
salvation and tell the people everywhere sing that sweet sweet song of salvation to every man every nation sing that sweet sweet song of salvation and let the people know that Jesus cares Oh, this is so much better than a news break. And most news breaks, all they have is bad news anyway. Well, you're going to hear some good news. Just stay right where you are. But you get a line while I'm catching my breath. 343-700-4390 in eastern Ontario, western Quebec, or 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-LNC-IS-ON. You can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. And you can tweet at us at jwcouncil. Don't sweat it. I know I gave you those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Unfiltered, unfettered, uncensored. I have one program director now. God. I don't always follow through on my instructions, right? But he makes it pretty clear what he wants. What do you want? What do you like? What ticks you off? I want to hear from you. Listener feedback means a lot. Almost means as much as what the program director wants. And don't forget you can download all our shows for podcasts anytime. TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us. Or if you prefer Google Play, that seems to work too. LateNightCouncil.com. Stay with us. Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 700 That's 343 That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region. And 1-844-562-4766. That's long distance. 1-844-562-4766. Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com for more details. You know, my, I'm, I'm screwing up continually, I guess, because I brought the wrong magazine tonight, okay, that had that article in it. it. 
You should see my desk. What does your desk look like at work? Is yours? I, you know, I, I saw a plaque once that a clean desk is this uh, uh, evidence of a sick mind. Mine, mine is like, well, I'm not exactly Felix Unger. I'm, I'm more along the Oscar Madison. If you saw my desk in my office, it's pile of stuff all over the place. I'm sure you'd walk in and say, so how could you do any you know, productive work here? Hey, I know where everything is, okay? And I got about three or four magazines. Because remember, like, I'm researching stuff all the time. I'm reading articles all the time, okay? And I brought the wrong magazine tonight. I brought, I won't tell you what magazine I've got here, but I brought the magazine that uh, uh, it's got a bunch of articles on. None of them are worthy of late-night counsel of Ask the Pastor. None of them. But the one that's written by my, uh, you know, uh, uh, friend Bill Griffin, uh, you know, it's in another, it's in Sage Magazine. And I went to the PAOC's website to see if they, you know, put their articles online. And all I got was, to subscribe to Sage, click here. So it means right away, forget it, you know. I don't know if some of these media companies survive where they put all their articles online, you know. And they're made available to people. I guess it's advertisers that buy banners and everything. Some of those banners can go for tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Money being made in online, in the online world that... I, I guess I'll never get to. But I don't need to, do I? Oh, I tweeted a good one earlier today. The prosperity gospel says that you should have more. The social gospel says that you should have less. Jesus says you should be content with whatever you have. I don't mind that. That's pretty good. I heard somebody else say once, well, is, is it a sin to be rich? And, and this isn't scripture, but boy, I could give you scripture that could pretty much you know, back this up. Yeah, you can be rich as long as you own your possessions and your possessions don't own you. Now, what scripture would you back that up with? Well, 1 Timothy 6.10. The love of money is the love of money. Did you hear what I say? Not money, because that scripture probably gets misquoted than any other scripture in the Bible. Well, you know, money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And then it gets even better. It says some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Oh, my goodness. If I had a dollar for every person I have met that fits that description to the T, you and I could go see a sense game probably sitting right by the glass and we could we could get the best food they have available there the entire evening way too many times have i come across people that fit that description and it is it is very sad it is very very sad three four three seven hundred forty three ninety that's three four three seven hundred forty three ninety one eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line it's ask the pastor it's open line open topic one eight four four five six two four seven six six. JC at late night dot com is the email address. That's JC at late night dot com. Got an email from Mike. Jesus never killed anybody. Be sure killed the heck out of that fig tree. <laughs> that's good. That's good, Mike. That's kind of an insider joke. People that know the Bible. He walks by a fruit uh, by a fig tree, and when he's coming back, it's not bared any fruit, and he curses it, and it dies. Yeah, I wouldn't put, you know, killing plants in the same category as, you know, uh, uh, murder. Although there are some, you know, echo types out there that would probably disagree with me. And if they want to call in, that's that's uh, that's great. Okay, I'd love to hear from you. Oh, here's a good one. 
from uh, Eric. Pastor John, what's your opinion on the strong evidence coming out of the out, out that the Jewish temple was actually located in the city of David and not where the Dome of the Rock is? Opinion now is the Dome of the Rock built over the, uh, is built over an old Roman fort. If this is true, there's no reason why the temple cannot be built. How would this affect Bible prophecy? I don't believe it was built in Bethlehem. It was built on Mount Moriah. And for decades and for centuries, long before, long before the Dome of the Rock was there, there is the rock, the, the reason they call it the Dome of the Rock is the rock is there where for, uh, for eons, more than centuries, an eon, I believe, is, is uh, for millennia, you know, for thousands of years. It's the rock where Abraham, Abraham sacrificed his son Isaac. And in the Old Testament, it says he went up Mount Moriah, okay? And that's where that rock is, right there. It's not in Bethlehem. It's always been on Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah has never been in Bethlehem. It's in Jerusalem. So I don't buy that theory at all, at all. And I've seen many, you know, maps of where the temple was. And, and I've heard, you know, uh, and people learn the Bible prophecy, you know, like it's fun speculation. I don't mind having these discussions because it's fun. But you can't get dogmatic on it. You can't say this is the way it's going to be because it hasn't happened yet. And there's always nuances and there's stuff in Scripture when it comes to prophecy that people are missing, you know. Like, for instance, the, the, the Pharisees and, and the Jewish faith. All the scriptures in the Old Testament talked about the Messiah coming as a suffering servant, as being bruised with our iniquities, you know, and by his stripes we are healed. There was nothing within him of his previous majesty that we would be attracted to him. Isaiah 53 has got a more eloquent description of Jesus Christ than you'll even find in the Gospels, and it was written 600 years before. But because it doesn't present the Messiah as this conquering hero that sets up a new kingdom, it shows a Messiah that is, that is suffering and taking on the cares and the sins of the world, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. They ignored that because it's not a comfortable thing for them to you know, talk about. And I wonder often, <clears throat> when I hear these, you know, these prophecy teachers speaking so dogmatically about how things are going to happen in the end times, I wonder you know, whether you know, they're missing some things. Because there's some really uncomfortable scriptures that prophecy teachers don't like. The one I love to quote is Acts 1-7, where they ask Jesus, you know, are you going to set up your kingdom now? And he says to them, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons that the Father has set for setting up his kingdom. That's Acts 1-7, okay? 1-7 and 8. He doesn't even want us knowing. And then he doesn't leave him hanging. He says, but you, you're going to receive power, and I need you to be my witnesses in the world, okay? Something's going to happen to you. Something supernatural is going to happen to you. And you need to tell people what has happened to you. And then just 10 days later or so, that's when they experience the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's when the miracles start happening. And, they, and they, they're not eloquent. They're not necessarily, you know, brilliant scholars. They just go around telling people what happened. And that's where you see the explosion <clears throat> of Christianity in the Mediterranean basin amongst men, uh, nations there. And every Christian denomination, Catholic, Orthodox, Evangelical, uh, Protestant, uh, you name it, every Christian group will tell you <clears throat> that the purest and most powerful and most righteous version of the Christian church was the first, second, and third, the first generation of the church, that church that experienced the, 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 yeah, the Holy Spirit firsthand, okay? And it's interesting that, you know, they were caught up in the whole political thing, even the disciples. Are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you going to drive out the Italians down and set up your kingdom on earth? Because, you know, they knew they were his friends. They knew they'd probably get plumb positions. In fact, he even told them, you're going to sit at my right hand of power. Yeah, 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 let's do that, let's do that, because, you know, everybody loves power. And he says, it's not for you to know, okay? 
But it's fun speculating. It's fun speculating. If you don't get dogmatic, I have no problem with speculation. And I remember hearing, and some of these Bible prophecy teachers, these guys are no slouches. They have spent their entire life trying to figure out the end times, which I think is dumb when Jesus says you're not to know. But nevertheless, you know, they've done some pretty good research. And I've heard of more than one say that the temple, yes, it was built on Mount Moriah, but it wasn't built right where the Dome of the Rock is right now. In fact, it's built, if you enter into the common entrance to where the Dome of the Rock is, and I was there in Israel a year and a half ago, okay, so it refreshed my mind, okay? If you enter, enter through the common entrance where you come through the, uh, the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque is behind you, and, you're, and, and that courtyard that's kind of between the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock is before you, the temple was built a good 200 to 300 meters on the Temple Mount, but behind where the Dome of the Rock is right now, not in the same place. And I've heard prophecy uh, 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 experts speculate that wouldn't it be something if a world leader, in a grand gesture of peace and prosperity and harmony and solving the Middle East problem, had the temple built on the Temple Mount a hundred meters just on the other side of the dome and the rock. So you got both of the of the you know two of the of the of the three greatest monotheistic religions in the world making a declaration that they are worshiping in harmony. Because there is space. There is space for the the original sized temple that Solomon and then Herod rebuilt, okay? There is space for that temple there to be built. There's there's all kinds of space on that temple mount where you could have both Muslims and Jews worshiping there at the same time. In other words, you know, that's the research that I've been exposed to. You want to talk about that tonight? It's always a fun topic. It really is, you know. I love them prophecy people when they call it because some of them are just wild-eyed, you know. They can tell you more about the you know, coming of Jesus than Jesus can. <laughs> and, oh, man, you cross them, you're of the devil. Oh, I'll never forget speaking at a prophecy conference down in Springfield, Missouri. I just throw, I'm reminded of it because I just drove through Springfield, Missouri on my motorcycle last week, okay? And I was speaking at a prophecy conference down there. got invited, and some of the biggest names in what was, you know, prophecy back then. The guy that ran the conference was a, a friend of the family. His name is Dr. David Lewis. He's dead now. This guy was the prophecy expert, the, res, the reigning prophecy expert that they would bring in on the PTL club with Jim and uh, Tammy Baker at least once a week. And he'd spend a half hour, you know, saying, what's the latest in prophecy? What's going on? You know, politics through a prophetic view, okay? A friend of the family. Knew the guy quite well. And, uh, man, I... And I would say going to that conference is what kind of turned me off and made me, you know, concentrate on the scriptures that Jesus said we need to concentrate more on. Because some of these people, they were throwing in, you know, throwing around names that didn't believe Bible prophecy the way they did. And they were speaking of some, some very reverent leaders within the Christian faith as being nothing but from the pit of hell because they didn't agree with them and their views on prophecy. Unbelievable. Kind of embarrassing to be even, you know, connected with people like that. But that's just my opinion. What's yours? It's open line, open topic. It's Ask the Pastor tonight. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. one 562 That is uh, the long-distance line. And uh, if you can keep it under six lines, and I trust you can. Come on. You can. I think you can. Okay. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's JC at LateNightCouncil.com. I have got a tweet, a tweet tonight that was directed to us. 
Guy want to know, hey, who's that Will's expert, the guy that you've had on in the past? Les Kotzer, familyfight.org. We'll have him back on again, okay? Want to get this online version of the show up and running a little bit stronger, though. It's getting stronger every night, folks. That's because you're listening. And don't forget, podcasts are great. And, and we got a lot of people downloading podcasts, but you, you, can't be, you can't change the world. You can't be part of the show by just listening to a podcast. you got to call in. And hopefully you're going to do that tonight. Right after this. Stay with us. We often hear about the supposed dangers of human-induced climate change. But what about the disastrous consequences of climate policy? For example, the closing of Ontario's coal stations was the single most important cause of the 318% rise in power rates since 2002. Thousands of industrial wind turbines are being erected across the province, killing birds and bats and ruining the lives of people living nearby. The expanded use of biofuels has led to 6.5% of the world's grain going to fuel instead of food. Only 6% of the $1 billion spent every day on climate finance goes to helping people today. The rest is dedicated to trying to stop climate change that may someday happen. Yet the reports of the non-governmental international panel on climate change show that the science backing the climate scare is highly uncertain. Isn't it time we focused on problems we know to be real? This message is brought to you by climatescienceinternational.org. Who is this man, this garlic king, who makes hummus hum and shawarma swing? This kingdom is really Lebanese. There's only one garlic king, and really Lebanese is his home. Don't be fooled by pretenders to the throne. Really Lebanese reigns as the best shawarma in Ottawa. See why it's good to know the king. I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. Who is this man? I'm Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. 2586 St. Joseph Boulevard in Orleans. Garlic, I love it. Summertime is here. It's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byward Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile. a miracle I'm on. So you're already listening to a miracle. Whatever's on your mind, it's Ask the Pastor, 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766. That's 182-562-4766. If you're calling from Legal, Alberta. If you're calling from Mystic, Connecticut. 
If you're calling from Play Cards, South Carolina. <laughs> Folks, every one of these towns is real. You go to Wikipedia, you type them in, you're going to find out the population, who's the mayor, what the major industries are. Every one of them, I promise you, is real. one 562 is long distance. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's the email address. And you can tweet at us at JWCouncil. You want a biblical perspective on Pokemon? I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm actually saying that. I mean, I thought Pokemon was dead. My boys are 28 and 26. My youngest is going to be 27 in a couple weeks. Okay? And I remember when they were going to school in Greeley, at Greeley Elementary School. Okay? These guys, they were my boys were the Pokemon Mafia. In Greeley Public School. I mean, they had cornered the market. We did a lot of traveling. We'd go to the States often, and I loved going to flea markets because I was always looking for Hot Wheels. Well, my boys were picking up Pokemon cards in the States, you know, in, at flea markets that they couldn't, kids couldn't get in Canada. They would bring them back to Canada, and they would, you know, like, sell them at exorbitant prices. Stinkers. But that's, like, 15 years ago. And I've talked about, you know, when the first Pokemon movie came out, all my boys were so into Pokemon. Dad, you got to take this guy. So I had to take them. And it was before show, okay? Their mom picked them up theater. I went into the show. And I was prepped that night to do some type of show. But that was, the, so, that was so bad a movie. It was so horribly bad. I started talking about it on the air. And the whole show turned in. What's the worst movie you've ever seen in your life? Oh, it was bad. It was just, it was indescribably bad. But I thought that beast had been shot and killed and died long ago. And here it's been resurrected. And who's playing this game? 18 to, th- well, 18 to 30-year-olds mainly. But my six-and-a-half-year-old grandson, before the show tonight, he's begging his mom because he, my, my, and he's not his mom, he's begging his, his my wife, Heather, granny, because we got the kids this week. She's got an iPhone. Of course, he doesn't have an iPhone. She downloaded it because she's a teacher and, you know, she wants to be in with the kids and everything, and I understand that. But she's bugging granny, come on, let's get supper done. Let's go for a walk and go catch Pokemon. I mean, it's just crazy. Now, you may not know this about the Pokemon Go craze. Nintendo, or whoever it is that has created the game, has an agreement with Google, Google Maps, and the technology involved is, you know, Pokemon stops and Pokemon gyms and, you know, various things where they can get extra, I guess, powers for their, you know, their quests. They've they've placed these these uh, uh, aspects of the game in certain geographical areas and churches and monuments are very popular places for people seeking Pokemon creatures and seeking to advance in the game to go. They have to physically go there and, and uh, you know, play this game. So a lot of churches have been kind of, and I don't know how to say this, because I'm disturbed by this. I'm bothered by it. And somebody's written an article on it that captures my feeling beautifully. They've been trying to take advantage of it. They've been trying to, oh, you want to hear a real dirty word? Proselytize, recruit, using the whole, you know, a Pokemon cultural phenomenon. That's a fad. I think it's going to pass. But it has changed. It has transformed into a genuine cultural phenomenon. And I came across this article by uh, a guy by the name of Drew Dixon. That is so good. It, it just captures the whole uh, uh, phenomenon really well. 
And the title is, and I know there's some Christians that are going to hear this title, they're going to get their back up and think, oh, blah, 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 you know. Compromise, blah, blah. No, it's not compromise. The title is, the best way for churches to capitalize on Pokemon Go, play it. Did you hear that? The best way, because most churches, the, 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 most churches, if you go there, they are centers because the, 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 the programming of the game has set it up that way. It's almost like it's an opportunity from God, if you ask me. Most churches have become Pokemon centers where people are gathering to, to, you know, to play the game. For those of you listening on, online, Ottawa yesterday had a great big poke. And I'm, this is happening worldwide right now, wherever this game is released. You've got you know, cities getting together and throwing Pokemon parties and everything. But I want you to hear this guy because this is, this is a fantastic spiritual perspective. And there are some Christian churches that are really botching this. They're really, they're really making idiots of themselves, the way they're you know, putting signs out on their, on their movable-type signs and saying some real dumb things. But this guy makes a lot of sense. I want to give you a little bit of the article. And I tweeted this out earlier. If So if you go to the Late Night Council Facebook page or go to uh, 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 my Twitter account at JW Council, you can, I, and I encourage you, I encourage you to read the article in its entirety. But I've got to share some of it with you, you know, to maybe whet your appetite to read the whole thing. And maybe start talking to your pastor about this. When Pokemon Go launched a couple launched a couple of weeks ago, then many people found themselves on the front steps of local churches in their communities for the first time in years. Think about that, okay? Think about that. People going to the front steps of churches and hanging out at churches who have haven't darkened the door of a church or even been near a church in decades. Some of them, okay? That in itself is huge. Christians have rightly seen this as an opportunity to connect with and reach out to Pokemon Go players. They've challenged churches to think of creative and loving ways to welcome Pokemon players into their buildings, announce their stops and gyms on social media, and even change their signs to acknowledge their role in the massive gaming phenomena. So you would think, oh yeah, well, all is well, that's good. Yeah, but some of them are more effective at it than others. If you hear me cutting out the mic and gaps in, the, in my uh, um, monologuing a bit tonight, folks, because I'm clearing my throat and, and, you know, this the studio here is equipped with a very wonderful on-off button so you don't have to hear, you know, uh, the grossness of phlegm, you know, as it resonates in, in my throat. So bear with me. Sadly enough, and he addresses this, how churches, some, uh, Drew, um, Drew Dixon addresses how some churches are blowing it and really making it exacerbating the situation. Sadly enough, if there is one kind of physical space that many people no longer consider significant, welcome, or beneficial to their communities, it might just be our church buildings. Did you hear that? That's an indictment, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, come on. Let's man up and be uh, honest about it. It's true. Case in point, not long after Pokemon Go launched thousands of gamers, okay, not, not long after Pokemon Go launched, Thousands of gamers took to Twitter to bemoan the fact that the nearest Pokestops and Poke Gyms were located in church buildings. And their frustration isn't unique. <clears throat> Over the last four years, as I've worked part-time for a ministry called Game Church, listen to this, okay? <laughs> Guy works for Game Church, that travels to gaming conventions. I love this. It's become clear to me that many gamers simply don't trust the church. Here's an outreach to gamers. This guy's got a calling to to minister to gamers. I love it. 
Because of this foundational mistrust, when church leaders think of ways to welcome those sitting on their steps looking for Charizards, they need to remember two things. First, they need to keep in mind that there is a good chance the gamers they're hoping to reach have been made to feel unwelcome in churches before. In addition, they need to be mindful that players aren't coming to hear a sermon, but to play a game. And that's actually a good thing. Pokemon Go is a special game, a rare cultural moment that invites invites people of all backgrounds and video game experience levels to connect over a common interest. If we sincerely hope to reach gamers, then we would do well to understand the value of the games they play. This is huge. This is wise stuff here. It's compassionate stuff here. I think it's very Christ-like stuff here. I want to read you a little more, okay? Because there's a lot more good stuff there, and I wouldn't want to deprive you from anything, would I? Of course not. You're listening to Ask the Pastor on Late Night Council. We have an information interlude that we want to present to you now, okay? I'm going to lock and I'm going to reload, and uh, I want to share more of this article with you. It's on Twitter, and it's at uh, Late Night Council, uh, the Late Night Council Facebook page. You need to read it for yourself. And, of course, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well, okay? Hey, maybe you're part of a church here in the Capital Region or wherever you're listening from that's really seeing some really cool things happen at your church because of Pokemon Go. Man, would I love to hear your stories tonight. Or whatever else is on your mind. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. 1-844-562-4766 is long distance. Stay with us. Oh, this is so much better than a news break. And most news breaks, all they have is bad news anyway. Well, you're going to hear some good news. Just stay right where you are. But you get a line while I'm catching my breath. 343-700-4390 in eastern Ontario, western Quebec, or 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-LNC-IS-ON. You can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. And you can tweet at us at jwcouncil. Don't sweat it. I know you gave you those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Unfiltered, unfettered, uncensored. I have one program director now. God. I don't always follow through on my instructions, right? But he makes it pretty clear what he wants. What do you want? What do you like? What ticks you off? I want to hear from you. Listener feedback means a lot. Almost means as much as what the program director wants. And don't forget you can download all our shows for podcasts anytime. TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us. Or if you prefer Google Play, that seems to work too. LateNightCouncil.com. Stay with us. Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun, because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 
743-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region, and 1-844-562-4766. That's long distance, 1-844-562-4766. Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at for more details. Now, there was one time when I didn't turn the mic off and I coughed into the mic. I'm going to get fired. It's over. Boss is going to hear about it, and I'm getting an email overnight. That's it, counsel. We're fed up. Ha. <laughs> the truth is, you know, I'd probably tick you off, and you wouldn't want, wouldn't want to listen anymore if I was coughing into the mic all the time, but I'm the boss here. I'm in charge. <laughs> Authority. Now, Rush Limbaugh, okay, his line is talent on loan from God. Well, here on this program, it would be authority on loan from God. We'll see how long I get to keep it. But that's up to him, and I'm good with that. Are you? Just ask the pastor on late night council. I got throat problems tonight. Please forgive me. I keep turning off the mic and clearing my throat and coughing and everything. And I don't know why. You know what, what it is? I played hockey today. That's what it is. I'm 56 years old. I'm still playing hockey. A successful hockey game for me is they didn't bring the defibrillators out, okay? And, and I, I still was able to skate off the ice. They didn't have to carry me off. So I had a successful game today. And I hate exercise. I really hate exercise And if you're like me and you hate exercise, you better be doing something with your body or you're going to die, okay? John, why are you saying this on Ask the Pastor Night? Well, the Bible says the body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. You've got to take care of the temple, you know? It's an important thing. So I choose to do things that are fun, like riding a motorcycle 11,000 kilometers. Like cutting a very, very large lawn with a push mower. Playing hockey. Golfing when I can't. Golf takes too much time, though. Oh, my God, four hours. Who's got four hours? I don't have four hours. If you do, God bless you, you know. I just don't. Baseball. I love playing baseball. Touch football. I'm going to keep doing it until I can't do it anymore. So if you were are just tuning in, um, we've already touched on a lot of really, really important stuff tonight. Um, one of the things I wanted to do tonight was, well... I wouldn't say want to do do it because uh, the whole Pokemon Go craze has just it is a cultural phenomenon. It's blown me away. I was down in California when it was released in the states, and within two days, within forty eight hours, 
everywhere you went in Burbank, North Hollywood, Anaheim, uh, um, Glendale is where I was in the, in the metro L.A. area. Every public place, and they have a lot of outdoor public malls there because the weather is so conducive to it. There was at least three public uh, uh, malls where if you stand, stood at a, a certain vantage point, you could see... Anywhere from 25 to 75, 18 to 30-year-olds, and that's what it was mainly in California, and they're all playing poker. This is 48 hours after it's released. I've never seen anything grab the public imagination as quickly as this has. It's, it's, it's turned into, and I, I agree it's a fad, but it, it has really turned into a cultural phenomenon. Nintendo stock has gone through the roof since this thing has been released. And part of the game system that's linked up with Google Maps and the way the whole technology and programming is set up, churches are set up as key polka stops and polka gyms that draw people to them, you know, to, to capture these virtual creatures. And I encourage you to go to the Late Night Council Facebook page or my Twitter page where I've posted a, an article uh, by Drew Dixon that's entitled, The Best Way for Churches to Capitalize on Pokemon Go is to Play It. As down to my son's, and my son is an insanely... Uh, uh, um, um, successful youth pastor in in Woodstock, Ontario. Um, It's interesting. We had him on Ask the Pastor about four weeks ago. Uh, The the suicide outbreak they've had in Woodstock has uh, has, uh, uh, plunged my son Ben to the fore where he's, you know, sitting on all sorts of city councils. And he's even even been entrusted with... uh, um, civic funds to put on concerts and activities, you know, that, that are conducive to uh, uh, stemming, the side of, uh, the, the, stemming the tide of teen suicide down there. So he's got a grip in that community. He is gold down there. I mean, people just kiss the ground this guy walks on because he's doing such a darn good job with teenagers. And they've, they're a church that's got one of these movable type signs out there in the front. And of course... He's playing Pokemon Go. All his young people are playing Pokemon Go. And their church sign out front says, this Pokemon stop has a slushy machine. And they do. They just do it up right there. They really, really know how to minister to teenagers. And, and, and I've been quoting from this article. I encourage you to read it. It's really, really good because it captures it so well. And it even it's, it's, it's transparent and honest enough. You know, to remind uh, uh, churches and faith and church types that before you start reaching out to people that are coming to your churches and coming to the front steps to play Pokemon, realize they got their defenses up against you. They haven't darkened a church door for probably very good reason. Churches have not had the best reputation in the world as being welcoming places where everybody's going to experience the grace of God, okay? You know how judgmental we can be. You know how pharisaical we can be. You know how hypocritical you can be. And if you're really gonna, if you're really gonna communicate the love and the transforming power of God, you gotta disarm all those preconceived ideas that people have of what churches are all about. How do you do that? Well, Jesus said the two most important commandments. He said, in fact, he said the entire law, everything that you're told what to do and what not to do in the Bible, hinges on two commandments: love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Okay. Make sure a relationship to God is real. It's passionate. It's alive. It's not just a religious, you know, rote, ritualistic thing. And then he said the second is inseparable, and it's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you put their needs before your needs. And these people have needs. They do. Now, I've already quoted some of the article. I want to give you a little bit more of it here because it's so good. 
when people come together to play a game, they cre- think about this. Think of this opportunity, okay? When people come together to play a game, they create order. They agree upon an absolute set of rules and express themselves freely. These, character- these characteristics made the playground special, sacred even. Given the fact that many of our neighbors no longer think of our church buildings as sacred spaces, it may be worth thinking about how we might reclaim their sacred status, not only through the way we worship corporately, but also through the way we serve and love our neighbors outside the church. I think those are wise words. Those aren't mine, so I can say they're wise. However, we must, almost not, we must not miss the opportunity to engage redemptively in a world surrounding us on its own terms and in the spaces it creates. In the short time since Pokemon Go was released, I have found myself walking through downtown parks, silently standing before war monuments I'd never noticed before and exploring my state's capital building for the first time. I've lost count of the conversations I've had with others on similar quests. We've swapped tips and tricks, and shared our most memorable experiences in the game, and even made small sacrifices that have deepened each other's enjoyment. So this guy's connecting with gamers here in a beautiful way. And you know what? Gamers aren't stupid. People that don't have the light of Christ in their life, they can spot a phony a mile away. They know what false hypocritical love is. If you're just being nice because you're trying to get them into into your church, they can see through that right away. How about just loving people genuinely and expressing it in meaningful ways, whether they come around, whether they go to your church or not? Because that's, you know what Romans 5, 8 says? Here's the biblical perspective on that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, long before we ever thought, hey, I need to get my act together. Hey, maybe this, this Bible really is true. Hey, maybe my lifestyle really is destroying me and people I love. Before you ever decided to get it together in your worst state, he loved you enough to shed his blood for your salvation. Too often people that call themselves followers of Christ wait for people to get their acts together and be perfect before they you know, build bridges of fellowship and, and, and kindness to them. Which is unbiblical. It's unchristlike. Here's the last paragraph of the article. We don't have to use Pokemon Go as a gimmick. The game itself is designed to provide us opportunities to connect and interact with people in the real world. Instead of using Pokemon Go to draw others inside church walls, then why not go outside and play? And make connections and build relationships. My other son in California, the one that works for Disney, I mean, he is, oh, man, he's into this Pokemon Go thing like you wouldn't believe. I mean, 28 years old, brilliant animator. But the guy's people skills are off the charts. I mean, this guy's, I was down there for four days staying with him. 11 o'clock, the guy gets up on his 10-speed and goes biking around the neighborhood in Burbank looking for Pokemon. He's 28! Your son's a weirdo, counsel. Okay, maybe, okay? But I watched that kid, he's 28, he's a grown man. I watched that guy in operation in the malls when we were going for lunches, you know, and we were doing shopping and doing the family thing, the vacation thing. And this guy is connecting with just about everybody that's playing the game. He's talking with them. He's chatting them up. And because they're fellow gamers doing the same thing, there's a bridge of contact right there. A wonderful bridge of contact. Now, my son Mitch has got the light of Christ in him. But, and my son Mitch doesn't love people because, you know, like, oh, well, that's the way you get them to come to Jesus. No, he does the, the way the Bible says you should. He genuinely loves people. And you know what? When you genuinely love people with no strings attached, something crazy happens. 
They love you back. They open their heart to you. Whatever you start talking about as the relationship grows, they take you seriously. And that's how real, loving followers of Christ, radical Christians, I'll call them, a Christian that's been radicalized, a Christian that has been radicalized, loves like Jesus loved, unconditionally. A Christian that's been radicalized, a radicalized Christian, is somebody that even loves people that abuse them, even loves people that speak ill of them. That's radical Christianity. And you know what? It changes the world. Well, that's kind of a lofty ideal, John. Well, let me bring it home to you. It changes families. It changes lives. And then it changes marriages. And then it changes families. And then it changes, you know, schools, neighborhoods, workplaces. It changes it changes neighborhoods. It changes cities. It can change provinces. It can change nations when enough people realize, whoa, this, this, is, this is the real deal. And that's what we traffic in here at Ask the Pastor. It's open line, open topic, 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's 1-844-562-4766. If you're calling from Joa Heaven, Nunavut. If you're calling from Midnight, Mississippi. Or Moose Up, Connecticut. 1-844-562-4766. JC at LateNightCouncil.com is the email address. Still got to keep it under six lines, kids. Come on, discipline yourself. You can do it. Ask God to help you. He will. JC at LateNightCouncil.com. And you can tweet us at JWCouncil. Right back after these important messages. Stay with us. This man, this garlic king, who makes hummus hum and shawarma swing. This kingdom is really Lebanese. There's only one garlic king, and really Lebanese is his home. Don't be fooled by pretenders to the throne. Really Lebanese reigns as the best shawarma in Ottawa. See why it's good to know the king. I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. Who is this man? I'm Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. 2586 St. Joseph Boulevard in Orleans. Garlic, I love it. Summertime is here, and it's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byword Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra. Eight bays and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money and headaches... 
but fix it right the first time. Irwin's out of motion. 34, Cleopatra. Tell him Council sent you. That'll make him smile. I get requests all the time for uh, the music that we play. Who is that, John? Oh, yeah, and I can't remember because I don't have a list. Okay, I mean, I've got all the tunes in front of me. I know what's playing. But I, I don't always know at what times of the show, you know, the tunes are played. Oh, that, that tune you played at, uh, you know, 10-18 after, you know, the, the first commercial break. I don't always remember. But that was Spock's Beard there. I love Spock's Beard. What a great, what a great band. And I mention them because hardly any of you have ever heard of Spock's Beard, have you? And uh, I like using their music on Ask the Pastor because their lead singer, in fact, the lead singer of that song, Neil Morse, left the band about 12 years ago to pursue a career in in what would be called uh, um, Christian uh, music. And he's got some brilliant stuff. Well written, good tunes. If you like uh, early Yes or early Genesis, man, look up. Go to YouTube and look up Spock's Beard. They're really good. Why do they call it Spock's Beard? Well, those of you that are original fans of the original uh, the Star Trek series, you might remember an episode where they had a parallel dimension and there was another Spock and another Kirk and another Scotty. And in the other dimension, Spock had a beard. And it was just kind of bizarre and weird and... And they figured, well, that's kind of us. We're bizarre and weird. Some people say that about this show as well. Welcome. It's Open Line, Open Topic. It's Ask the Pastor, 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766 is long distance. That's 1-844-562-4766. JC at LateNightCouncil.com is the email address. And you can tweet at us at JWCouncil. Now, I don't want to flog this uh, uh, topic to death because often, just about every election, the discussion comes up via phone callers. I don't always bring this topic up because it's so in people's minds that it usually comes up uh, on on uh, on the phone lines. And uh, uh, I think, you know, we as Canadians kind of surveying our big brothers uh, to the south of us, we have never seen an election quite like this, where there is so much distrust, where the country is so divided, where there are so many that find both candidates distasteful. There are Democrats that can't stand Hillary. There are Republicans that can't stand Donald Trump. Okay, And it has been, I, I don't think it's sensational or, or uh, uh, hyperbole to say that that, that has been... Uh, uh, um, just a, a fiasco. I've never seen anything like this, where it, 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 it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's, uh, 
And and I it really it mirrors the culture because the the culture is just going in unpredictable directions and and at accelerated pace that I don't think anybody has ever seen before. And the discussion and the topic, and you've heard it, you know, uh, described in so many different words and phrases. You know, who would Jesus vote for? Is Jesus a liberal or a conservative? Is Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? Is Jesus green? Is he NDP? Is he a libertarian? What is he? What would Jesus do? And I've heard so many discussions on that that it's kind of gotten cliche and boring and dumb. Okay? But I did come across an article today in Christian Post, which has become the, uh, uh, the leading uh, a Protestant news source on online. And, and like a lot of stuff, like, and I got to be honest with you, uh, when I research for Wednesday night, because Wednesday night is much more focused, isn't it? It's Ask the Pastor. It's a biblical uh, uh, perspective, a faith perspective on the news, on politics, on family issues, on whatever you want it to be, whatever you want to talk about. But as far as bringing fresh news and stuff from a a, a biblical perspective, there's not a lot of news sources out there that are monitoring faith and faith issues worldwide online. And but Christian Post is my last resort. I go to Holy Post, which is the religious section of the National Post. I go to uh, uh, Christianity Today. Sometimes I go to Charisma's website, which is uh, kind of wingy. But, uh, uh, you know, I've always said the best way to get a handle on the news and the best way to know what's really going on there is to read a lot of different sources and get a lot of different opinions of what people are saying. Then you kind of get a kind of uh, uh, an objective perspective on things. I always go to Christian Post last because some of it is so political. Some of it is so... It's not even Christian. It's just, it's kind of like that American cultural Christianity, we'll call it. It is, it is states-based. But if, at any given time, there's, oh, anywhere between 40 to 80 articles that have come out per week. And I go through them, and and if you and sometimes you can find three or four really, really good ones. Other times I go through it, and there's nothing, because it's just... It's just drivel. It's you know, religious nonsense. And But there's some guys that uh, Dr. Michael Brown is somebody that uh, writes regularly on Christian Post who's always got good, good, balanced and fair and compassionate, thoughtful uh, uh, wisdom out there. I really like his stuff. And uh, I wouldn't touch an article like this one that's entitled Make a Church Pastor on Who Jesus Would Choose as President. I don't know what you think of mega churches. It's not as big a deal in Canada as it is in the States. There are, uh, I think the latest numbers are, there are over 5,000 churches in uh, the United States, and 98% of them are evangelical, okay? There are over, over 5,000 churches that run at least 3,000 in their regular Sunday services every Sunday, okay? So this mega church phenomenon thing is just off the charts, okay? Some of them number in the in the tens of thousands. Uh, T.D. Jake's church in Dallas, I think 25,000. Rick Warren's church in California, 30,000. Joel Osteen's church in Houston, Texas, 35,000. Um, 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 Andy Stanley's church in Atlanta, about 25,000. Uh, the guy in Chicago, I forget, has got this big leadership. Uh, uh, um, Bill Hybels, Bill Hybels Highland Park Church in, in uh, Chicago runs 35,000. Can you imagine? 
And I've been in some of these churches. You see, they're auditoriums. I mean, you see 20,000 people. Joel Osteen's church in Houston, they took over the compact center where the Houston Rockets used to play, and they transformed it for church services. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. And I'm not saying it's all good because some of it is, is, you know, they've watered down truth and they've watered down the gospel to the point where they've kind of Oprahized the gospel, where they've made it so accessible it's not even distinct anymore. Now, that's just my opinion. You want to call in and argue with me, that's fine. But some of them are really good. Some of them are, are, are like shopping malls for Jesus almost. Any spiritual need you have, they got it. They've got it. Uh, uh, you know, they've got a ministry for you. Any people group, you know. If you're Ukrainian folk dancers that are into punk rock, they got a special group for you, okay? So not all of them are bad. Not all of them are good. You know, there's different as, you know, the people that are in them. So when I, I'm a little leery. When I see the term megachurch, I go, whoa, that means nothing to me. But, you know, he's talking about on who Jesus would choose, who Jesus would choose as president. And I've, you know, read volumes on this kind of stuff but this was fresh i like this and it's pretty good boy would that we would be you know applying some of these principles in canada i think the principles are universal this is not an american thing this is uh you know this is a uh, this is a universal thing and especially when you know the, the bible they had a semblance of democracy in christ's time it was ruled by rome and rome ruled with an iron hand but civic matters and you know minor decisions they allowed for a semblance of democracy in, in uh, Israel at the time of Christ. And uh, there were various political parties that vied for power. That's why when they, wanted to, when they wanted to engage in capital punishment, when they wanted to kill Jesus, they had to come to Pilate. Because that was not just a minor decision. Only Rome could, you know, grant that type of authority, the Roman rule. So they had to go and appeal to Pilate at the time. And, of course, they bounced back. He bounced back before between Pilate and Herod, and you know the story in the Gospels. But there was a semblance of democracy. But, but that was rare, very, very rare. They didn't have widespread democracy like we have in North America now, where whether you uh, uh, like it or not, voters are sovereign. Voters can, you know, they can do anything if they understand their authority and their power. And I would suggest that in, in democracy in North America, we don't understand the authority we have. We put up with way, way too much. So uh, um, Dave Ferguson is the guy who pastors a uh, community Christian church in Napierville, Illinois. They run like five to 10,000 every Sunday morning. It's a monster, big, huge church. And he's one of the first guys in a long time to, to put a new, fresh spin on this, what has become a tired old cliched question, who would Jesus vote for? Now, we're coming down to the information interlude that we have to do here, and, I, and, I, and uh, you know, we've got stuff that we want you to know about. Uh, so uh, I want you to, to uh, um, um, just hold on to your seats. I want to share some of the article with you, okay? And uh, we'll be right back after that, okay? And, of course, it's open line, open topic. Your calls, your calls uh, proceed and, and they take precedence over, you know, even my takes to the show. There's many times when I've been on air and I've got a ton of stuff I, I want to get to and I never get to it because of calls, okay? And that's how important your calls are. And uh, especially on Ask the Pastor, open line, open topic, 343-700-4390. You can get a line while we're doing the information interlude. 343-700-4390, 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. We're going to be right back. I promise you. Stay with us. 
oh, this is so much better than a news break. And most news breaks, all they have is bad news anyway. Well, you're going to hear some good news. Just stay right where you are. But you get a line while I'm catching my breath. 343-700-4390 in eastern Ontario, western Quebec, or 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-LNC-IS-ON. You can email me, jc at latenightcouncil.com. Keep it under six lines. And you can tweet at us at JWCouncil. Don't sweat it. I know I gave you those numbers pretty quick. I'm going to give them up before this break is over. Unfiltered, unfettered, uncensored. I have one program director now. God. I don't always follow through on my instructions, right? But he makes it pretty clear what he wants. What do you want? What do you like? What ticks you off? I want to hear from you. Listener feedback means a lot. Almost means as much as what the program director wants. And don't forget you can download all our shows for podcasts anytime. TuneIn.com seems to be the best and easiest way to hook up with us. Or if you prefer Google Play, that seems to work too. LateNightCouncil.com. Stay with us. Monday and Tuesday, it's news. Often some pretty good guests, too. Wednesday, it's Ask the Pastor. Thursday nights, we repeat the Ask the Pastor broadcast from the night before. And then Friday night, well, we fool around on Friday. We give stuff away. We have fun because that's what you're supposed to do on Friday. And if you miss any of the shows, well, that's what podcasts are for. 343 4390 That's 343 That is the Eastern Ontario and Western Quebec line, the whole capital region. And one 562 That's long distance. one 562 Of course you can advertise on Late Night Council. In fact, the ad space is quickly getting claimed. Get in now while the rates are still low. Email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com for more details. I would advise you to go on YouTube and check out that MC Hammer version of the classic hymn, Do Not Pass Me By. But the video is so dumb. It's just dumb. 
How many times have you heard a great song? You thought, wow, that's awesome. You see the video of it, and then your, your image of the whole song is soiled because it's just, oh, my God, what a botched thing that is. I just love that tune. But, man, it's one of the dumbest videos you've ever seen. It just doesn't capture the tune like, like the tune does. You're back with Ask the Pastor, 343-700-4390. Open line, open topic. That's the capital region number, 343-700-4390. That's long distance all across the United States and Canada. Puerto Rico, Hawaii, Guam, or as I like to say it when there's a, a party, Guam. You like that? Guam. Guam. 1-844-562-4766. Uh, if you're just joining us, I, 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 I'm, I'm dealing with that sometimes cliched question, but I came across an article that's very fresh. Who would Jesus vote for? Now, it's an American-based thing, but the principles are universal. You've heard me use the example often of, of uh, Abraham Lincoln. You know, in the, in the height of the Civil War, somebody came to him and he said, whose side is God on, the North or the South? Because, you know, the, the, the South that was, you know, promoting slavery and wanting to keep it, you know, some of them, you know, claimed to be very, very godly people who read the Bible and uh, were very, uh, uh, you know, um, um, passionate about their faith. So how's Lincoln going to answer a question like that? And it was beautiful. And some of you know what the response is. He says, I don't know whose side God is on. I just want to make sure I'm on his side. That's not bad. That sounds like a humble man. And uh, uh, Dave Ferguson, who's put on an article, actually he's got, I guess he preached on this on a video message, and it was really, really good. And before he answers the question, you know, of who would Jesus vote for, he does an eloquent job of describing the political factions at the time of Christ. Now, some of these names you have heard of kind of before, but these, all these political factions were in play. I'll give you a little bit of the article here. And I've posted this. Okay, it's on the Late Night Council Facebook page. I tweeted it out earlier in the day, so look at my tweets. You'll find it. Here are the groups that were in play. One of them was the Herodians. The Herodians, they accepted the situation with Rome for what it was and tried to make the best of it. You could say that their political slogan was, if you can't beat them, join them. Okay. This is the way it is, so we're just going to roll with it. You know, that was the Herodians. On the opposite end of the political spectrum was the second group, the Zealots. Now, remember, one of the disciples was a Zealot, Simon the Zealot. Who were the Zealots? Their zeal for God, and again, when they speak their zeal for God, these were Jewish believers, okay? They followed Judaism in a much different form back then, but it, nevertheless, it was not Christianity yet, okay? This is, this is the world that Christ was born into and ministered to and, and died and rose again, okay? The zealots, their zeal for God expressed itself in what they viewed as holy warfare against the Romans. They turned to violence. Their political slogan was more likely, give them hell. Now, have you ever thought about the political implications of the makeup of the disciples? Think about that. Jesus had a terrorist. He had a guy who belonged to a terrorist organization as one of his disciples, Simon the Zealot. Now think of, think of his leadership skills because on that same group of 12, he has Matthew the tax collector. You can't be a tax collector unless you're in thick with the Roman rulers. Think about that. He's got a tax collector that's ingrained in Roman culture and is kissed butt like crazy to get that position, and Simon the Zealot that would rather kill the Romans. I mean, you talk about a master leader. That's Christ right there, okay? So here's a little bit of the political background here. Then there was the Essenes. 
Now, most people believe that John the Baptist was an Essene, but the Essenes, they just, wa- they just wanted to get away from all the tension and the political conflict. And they retreated to wilderness places where they could isolate themselves from the world around them. Their slogan would have been, get away from them. And the fourth group was the Pharisees. They were the majority party, the most popular party. The Pharisees thought it could... The, the, the Pharisees thought that if they could just be good enough... If they could live pure and obey all of God's laws, then God would act and overthrow their Roman oppressors. In other words, they appealed to God. They were believing for a miracle. Okay, Their political slogan might have been, God will get them. Now, there's four groups he describes there. Now, you could throw in the Sadducees, well, who were the, who were the uh, religious liberals of the time. They didn't believe in the resurrection. You know, Kind of like what the United Church of the Anglican Church has become here in Canada now where you can hold credentials and be a United Church pastor and still be a card-carrying atheist. In fact, of polls done of United Church ministers, there's quite a large percentage of them that don't even believe in the resurrection anymore. Okay? That was the Sadducees. Now, Dave Ferguson points out that these groups during Christ's time, they hated each other. They did not like each other at all. They did not compromise. There was no coalitions. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Romans, they came together you know, to crucify Christ. That was about the only time they agreed on anything. So there was real tension there. So into that political milieu, this happens. And this is all based on the discussion of who would Jesus vote for. This is brilliant. Oh, man, we need to hear this here. And he reads from Matthew 22, 15 and on. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him, that's Christ, in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Okay? They're in line with the Herodians who they hate. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity. Well, here's a setup. You know that's coming here. We know that you're a man of integrity, that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, he's setting them up here. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Well, they got him. Because if he says it is, well, then he's lined up with the Romans. If he says he's not, then he's lined up with the zealots. What's he going to say? Well, you thought Lincoln's answer was good when he was asked whose side God was on, the north or the south. If you're not familiar with the scripture, hold on to your hats here. This is beautiful. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, Said, you hypocrites. He just nails them. He's not playing political games here. He could care less who he ticks off. He's not running for office here, okay? You hypocrites. Don't you care? It just drives me crazy. Politicians, you know, parade around and pretend as if they're people of principle. They don't have any principles. They'll say anything to get elected. That's not Christ. I tell people all the time, Jesus was not crucified for saying nice, politically correct things, Okay? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him, and they went away. So how did he handle that? What kind of political insights can you see there? If we want to know who he would vote for, 
You know, there is insight there. You get to see what his priorities are. And Dave Ferguson brings this up beautifully, okay? And I'm going to give you a little bit of the article here. And again, you can read this at Late Night Council, uh, uh, the, the Facebook page, or on Twitter. You need to, because I'm just giving you excerpts of it here. Pertinent experts, excerpts, not quoting anything out of context here, but giving you enough to maybe to whet your appetite. You need to read this for yourself. Jesus refuses political simplicity here, okay? And there's a lot of people that like to reduce complex political issues to just black and white stuff, Okay? He was asked a yes or no question as he was asking which party he was in. But Jesus didn't give them a simple answer. Rather than label himself in any one political position, he acknowledged both sides of the arguments and even the gray area of tough topics. Not a lot of people think deep enough that they can do that. And then Dave Ferguson says, we, not, we must not do... We must not do to Jesus what he didn't do to himself. We shouldn't say Jesus is for one party or platform or candidate. As that would amount to giving him a label. He warns when you do that, you're mixing God and Caesar. That's wrong. And there's been some very, you know, I would say stupid pastors that have allied themselves with political parties in the past and, you know, have described political candidates as God's man or God's woman. Come on. That was the first point, okay? That he refuses political simplicity. Secondly, Jesus refuses political complacency. Jesus didn't answer the question saying no comment. How many times have you seen that happen? But he chose to engage the political arena. In other words, he stepped into it, okay? He weighed in with real wisdom. But many Christian groups steer clear of political conversations, which is not right. In other words, they wimp out. In other words, instead of engaging, instead of knowing the facts, instead of finding out what's really going on so you can have something intelligent and wise to say, they wimp out. Oh, we don't talk about politics or religion. Whenever I hear that, okay, that tells me you got pretty shallow relationships then. Your life is about as, as spiritually and socially and intellectually as deep as a mud puddle. Jesus didn't wimp out like that. No, come on. I don't talk about politics or religion. No, he was somebody of substance. Thirdly, Jesus refuses political primacy. What did Jesus mean by the things that bear God's image? You, in other words, we are made in God's image. Before you're a Democrat or a Republican or Libertarian or Green Party or whatever else you claim to be, you're a follower of Christ. Your first allegiance is to him. If you, are, if you are what the Bible describes as a Christian, your first allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Not to the nation. Not, you know, this is my country and I stand up for whatever. Well, you know, there are some things that are, you see, that's why, see, both our countries, the Canadian, Canada and the United States, that's why in our legal system we'd put our hand on a Bible and swear because we would swear allegiance to something we know that is more powerful than the courts, more powerful than elected officials, wiser than anything that's on the planet. And we've departed from that and we're paying the price for it now. Where we've got moral and we've got political almost anarchy. When somebody, you know, we, we even changed the definition of Christian, you know. I've heard radio talk show hosts say, you know, they think because they're born in Canada that they're, they're Christian. Because it's a supposed Christian country. Yeah, if you're born in a chicken coop, it doesn't make you a chicken. Okay, if you're born at the airport, it doesn't make you an airplane. And that's why I keep going back to what the biblical description of what a Christian is. 
In the book of Acts, it says the way we got that term Christian was that the people who followed Christ had, had adopted so much the lifestyle and priorities of Christ that they were derogatorily referred to as little Jesuses. That's the Greek word Christos. That's where we get Christian from, little Jesuses. And Ferguson says here, who would Jesus vote for? Well, before you start even talk, having that discussion, realize that if you're a real biblical Christian, your priority and your, your allegiance is to Jesus Christ first. That doesn't mean you're anti-Canadian, anti-American. That doesn't mean you're anti-political or anti-any party. But we're primarily, we belong to Christ. I heard one speaker say so brilliantly, it was during one of those you know, big promise creepers stadium events. It was in the Minneapolis Metrodome. And everybody was trying to categorize the Promise Keepers movement. You know, is it Republican? Is it Democrat? And there's a black guy. He got up and said, you know, you guys don't realize that those of you that are outside of the body of Christ and are outside of what it means to follow Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're trying to label us left wing or right wing. Your bird is dead. Always has been. This is not a left wing, right wing thing. Jesus never was left wing, never was right wing. He is above that. He doesn't need wings. Rather than claim a Go back to the article now. Rather than claim allegiance to any party, Jesus claimed allegiance to God. To explain what it means to give ourselves to Jesus, verse 37 and 40, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you're a follower of Jesus... We always choose love. So how would Jesus choose a president or prime minister? Jesus would choose him with love. He would make a choice that is a clear reflection of his love for God, but also his love for his neighbors. And then he, he closes the article with one of the best punchlines on political subject matter I have ever heard. I just love this. I need to, well, I already tweeted out the article, but maybe I'll steal this line. How many people do this in Canada? How many people do this in the United States? Oh, I just love this. Love God's kingdom more than your country and love others more than yourself. Let me say that again. Love God's kingdom more than your country and love others more than yourself. One more time. One more time. Okay? Love God's kingdom more than your country and love others more than yourself. Well, it didn't tell us who Jesus would vote for. Didn't tell you who, but I told you how. And it told you why. And I gave you the what. Figure if you got those down, you're probably going to be better equipped on who. Just ask the pastor on Late Night Council, 343-700-4390. 343-700-4390. I got one segment left. You want to change the world with me? You can't do it by listening to a podcast. You got to call in live. 1-844-562-4766. I'm going to the mailbox one more time during the breaks here. See if there's an email that I can use. JC at Late Night Council. Right back after these messages. Stay with us.
Who is this man? This garlic king who makes hummus hum and shawarma swing. This kingdom is really Lebanese. There's only one garlic king, and really Lebanese is his home. Don't be fooled by pretenders to the throne. Really Lebanese reigns as the best shawarma in Ottawa. See why it's good to know the king. I am Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. Who is this man? I'm Adel Aziz, the garlic king. I can do anything. 2586 St. Joseph Boulevard in Orleans. Garlic, I love it. Summertime is here, and it's time to cool off with your friends at Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We feature 12 flavors of frozen yogurt daily, with a choice of over 55 delicious toppings to choose from. The combinations are endless. Chill out with our new fresh yogurt fruit smoothies, or be the hero at your next backyard barbecue or birthday celebration when you serve up our exquisite frozen yogurt cake to your family and friends. Visit us at 80 George Street in the Byword Market and 3091 Strandherd Drive in Barhaven. Menchie's Frozen Yogurt. We make you smile. For 17 years, I've been taking my cars to Irwin's Automotion. 17 years ago, Irwin was renting space on the corner of Bank and Heron. His encyclopedic knowledge of all things mechanical and his no-bull honesty has resulted in his second move. He now operates a huge facility on Cleopatra, eight bays, and an expert staff that operate all in the same wavelength. Honesty, integrity, try to save the customers some money, and headaches, but fix it right the first time. Irwin's Automotion, 34, Cleopatra. Tell them Council sent you. That'll make them smile. Have you liked the show tonight? Well, tell your friends and tell them that we repeat this show uh, tomorrow night in this time slot, okay? Wednesday night, uh, Thursday night, sorry, is a repeat of Ask the Pastor on Thursday night, okay? And then Friday, of course, is Freebie Fridays. We're going to give away stuff and have fun and goof off. And I think we're going to do, I think we're going to do something with famous movie clips Friday night. I'm still working on it, you know? kind of hashing it out and remember you know listener feedback is is is, you know it's not all about just emailing while we're live on air here although you know we'd love to get your emails and can you you know have you contribute to the show that way but uh uh listener feedback is huge for us really huge bigger than it ever has been and we can adjust and we can respond immediately whereas and i got this all the time okay Especially in the last two or three years, I was with uh, uh, corporate radio. You know, I would get complaints. I'd get people upset, you know, and they would, they would email the station and they'd phone and they'd never get a response. Never. Well, I respond right away here, okay? Because I'm the guy you're talking to. You're not going through like four or five middlemen to get to the guy who's running the show here, okay? JC at LateNightCouncil.com. That's my email address during the week as well, okay? And uh, you got some ideas or you got some, you're ticked off about how we're doing things or how we're doing the show. Um, you know, God's the program director, but I'll tell you, the audience, you got almost as much authority as, you know, the program director does. So keep that in mind. 
Show contributor Mike. Now he seemed to making a, he seems to be making it a habit, you know, of calling in in the last segment, which is cool because most of the time when Mike calls in, he's got good stuff, man. And I don't mind ending the show. Uh, not to put any pressure on you, Mike, but you know, good to have you on. What's what's up tonight, buddy? Well, I wanted to hear the rest of that article, and one of these days when I have more time, I really want to grab that bull by the horns and kick that sucker around because I think part of the reason for confused answers is because people are asking confused questions. That ought to tell you what I think about that article. Yeah, you need to kick that around. I would, I would like you to plumb that a little <laughs> bit deeper because I'm not really, you know, getting what you're selling there on that uh, opening statement there. I mean, like, if you could give me some examples. And we don't have to kick it around tonight if you don't want to. But if, you're, if you can give me some examples of what some intelligent questions are, like who would Jesus vote for, yeah, that is a bit of a shallow question. But I think, I think that Dave Ferguson took that concept and really, really, you know, has done a wonderful job at, you know, uh, first of all, uh, getting people to understand the, the political culture of that time and how Jesus responded to it and the insight that he used, you know, and, and, and I see this in the right wing in, in Canada, in the United States, it seems as though the right wing, their, their solutions are, are just far too simple. You know, some of these issues are as complex as anything. They are really, really complex and they do not have simple answers. And I think that's the beauty of Christ's response when they asked him, you know, should we pay taxes to Caesar? I mean, he just undressed those guys and exposed them for, you know, uh, how shallow they were. And even asking that question, which gets back to your point. Yeah, that's that's not the, you know, the best question. So good on you. Well, I, I like I said, I, I definitely want to kick that around one day because I think people are are kind of coming at this from the wrong angle, and by and by because of that, they're getting it wrong. But uh, I'm going to come back to that because we do have short time. Uh, we've been this this whole business about the American election and Trump and Cruz and Hillary and all that's going on, and this this choice. I remember I, I brought up the C.S. Lewis quote where he mentioned about the devil will pit one evil against another and try to get people focused on which one's worse so that they'll select the lesser of ones. Yeah, and, but it's still evil. But, but it's still evil. Exactly. Yeah. So now we've been using different analogies, bulls in china shops versus snakes in grass. Well, I want to present a different one to you. Go for it. Let's say we are in Israel and we are selecting our leader. We're going to get to vote for our king this time. And we have running Jezebel and we have running Zedekiah. And we both know we get to know before we vote for them exactly who they are, what they did, what they're about, what their character is. And you're led into this false choice of you must pick one or you must pick the other. Now what do you do? Because we know where both of those are going to go, don't we? Well, if I, know, if I can remember Zedekiah, I'd take Zedekiah over Jezebel. But how did you get any more or less babylon Exactly. Zedekiah was by the time. Yeah. By the time. He's, good point. He's judged. He's decided he's the worst of the the worst, and that's the last one. Yeah, he's it's a the, it's a great point. Who, uh, his he witnesses his children killed in front of his eyes before his eyes are put out, and he spends the rest of his days in slavery. Yeah, and neither and, and neither Israel choice. What you're saying is neither choice averted, uh, you know, the Babylon invasion, which was the judgment of God. On Israel, God exactly. used a wicked exactly. nation, Babylon, to judge Israel. And I think what you're saying is neither choice of the American election is going to avert. Are you saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that neither choice is going to avert God's judgment? Are you saying that? Correct, yes. Because the, and the American system is different than any other system in, in the world, really. The Americans put 
power into the hands of the government. So the people do that through their votes. Right. So if you vote for one of these people, you own what they do. Yeah, yeah. That's different. Well, that's not that much difference different. than that's not much different than Canada, though, Mike. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's similar, right? Except in, I, except in Canada, it seems that, except in Canada, it seems that uh, voters, you know, uh, elect uh, governments to think for them too here in Canada. Now, where where America is a little different is their system is much more broken up in power. Which is why, uh, you know, even even losing the presidency, you can have a situation where you have a Democrat or a Republican yeah. president. There's more and checks and balances there. House. There's many more checks and balances. Absolutely. There's the House, there's Absolutely. the Senate, and their Senate is real power because it's real elected, you know, engaged power. There's the House, there's the Senate, there's the executive branch, which is the president, and then there's the courts as well. And the courts are out of control. Yep. The courts yep. are completely out of control. Well, and, like and even Canada. having a perfect president is not necessarily going to guarantee getting in a, a conservative into the court. It's, even Reagan and, and, and Bush had trouble getting true conservatives onto that court. And they were trying pretty hard. I remember uh, Robert Bork. I mean, there are other... There are other ways for them to still control and, and, and have control over their government. And even losing to Hillary, which is what I believe is going to happen. Uh, I think so you're calling it. Hillary's going to win. I, I do believe, yes. Okay. I believe the Republican Party is so hopelessly divided, I believe they are def- definitely going to fail. Um, and also, I think that with Hillary in an office, it is going to drive... This convention, this Article 5 Convention of States, to take back power by the states from the federal government, uh, that is gaining more. They are getting so close to So the implications enough. there is you, you, could, you, could see, you could see the breakup of the United States is what you're saying is true. No, no, no. That the states actually have the power to take back power from the Fed. Well, that's what I'm saying. That I mean, the logical end. Uh, I mean, uh, if the states, you know, realize their power, you could see. And I've even heard, you know, there's certain states that are talking, uh, uh, you know, leaving the union. It's so bad down there. Well, you must un- you must understand it doesn't actually break up the states. So that's another. We'll have to explain that a little. Yeah, bit. always love your calls, Mike. Good having you on. We're out of time. Ask the Pastors over. It's being replayed tomorrow night between 9 and 11 in this time slot. Of course, you can download podcasts till the cows come home. And you know what? Most of you live in cities, so the cows won't be coming home for a while. Have a delightful evening. Good night.